0: Hey, all right. And welcome. Better yet, I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Better yet, is a conversation about music. And our conversation this week is with Devin McKnight of Monica. Monica released their first LP, Devin, in 2019. Lovely conversation to share with you all this week. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to Namdi. For our intro music, Marcus Nuccio, for our graphics each week. You can see all those on our website, betteryapod.com. Invite you all to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. You can also follow us on Bandcamp, betteryapodcast.bandcamp.com. We are back. We took last week off to reset. It was a productive week off, gave me the opportunity to get a few interviews in the bank. Watch a few seasons of The Bachelor. I don't feel great about that, but I know some of you out there are saying thank you for sharing that with me. But I have been listening to a lot of Sarah Records, 7 Inches, Field Mice, The Orchids, 14 Ice Bears. There's something really lovely in that world. And that vibe that everyone who participated in that thing helped cultivate Those very tender, earnest expressions. Something special when you just take in art from people who have no greater concerns than making and sharing. Which reminds me, we're back on Spotify. I hadn't mentioned this, but we got kicked off of Spotify in August for an IP complaint stemming from our best of 2016 episode uh i think because we played a solange track it was a universal bmg complaint so it took me this long to get the show restored on the spotify feed and when i say it took me this long should add that i wasn't trying very hard i'd send an email every few weeks like hey can I have my podcast back on your thing? And I finally just copy and pasted the same email and scheduled them to send every 36 hours. So lesson learned, just start being annoying quicker. I didn't even get to walk away from this thing with a good story. It's just stupid. So if you prefer to listen to podcasts on Spotify, you now have the option to listen to this one on spotify and that's okay i'm not gonna act like i don't ever use spotify to listen to music or listen to podcasts or that anyone out there should feel bad about using spotify but fuck those people fuck that guy and his stupid guitar shirt we have a patreon patreon.com slash at podcast where we've got it's a very fun audio-visual programming available to you. We have a real kick-ass Boy Racer mix up there. Speaking of Sarah Records, I went on a huge Boy Racer run recently and made a very good 60-minute tape. We've got a collaborative GBV mixtape that my dear friend Pat Nordyke of Bruges and Angry Gods, and uh, what's that? he was in another band, I can't remember what, but uh, we collaborated on... Guided by Voices mixtape, going back and forth, choosing songs. And we got a whole slew of audio from the Life's Work podcast I did about Laura Stevenson, Sit, Resist. All my interviews with Laura, as well as my conversation with Chris Gethard, are up there. Plus, we got a weekly contribution from our guests. special piece of bonus content that comes in each week. Brian Funk of Thou gave us the Thou set that was released in 2018. We got playlists from Lucy Dacus, Sarah Tudson of Illuminati Hotties. Covers, Augusta Koch doing June on the West Coast by Bright Eyes. Tony Molina and Rose Melberg, speaking of Sarah Records. And GBV, they do 14 cheerleader cold front. J.G. Wald of Slaughter Beach Dog covering Drunken Angel by Lucinda Williams. This week we've got a cover of Falling Away From Me. By Corn, As performed by Monica. It's fucking bad ass. I'm not a huge Corn fan. But I like that song. And Devin's version is so good. We've got two tiers of pledging over on our Patreon. You can pledge for $3 a month. it will give you access to all the bonus audio and visual content. We're posting weekly. And if you pledge $10 a month. You'll get all that, plus every three months we'll be sending some cool merchandise. We've got custom-printed, better-yet notebooks, and now we're in the beginning stages of prep for my first zine. I'm so excited. Pledge to our Patreon no matter which tier you're pledging to. We split the revenue from this podcast evenly between the show, the guests, and organizations chosen by our guests. We're paying Devin for his time. For this interview, we're also sending money this week to Brooklyn Mutual Aid. Happy to be helping them out this week. If you'd like to support them and to support the show, go to patreon.com slash All right. My guest this week is Devin McKnight of Monica. Monica is a solo project that Devin started in 2017. Before that, he'd been playing guitar in Speedy Ortiz, and before that... He was in Grass is Green. Grass is Green is one of the best guitar bands of the past 10 years. And a huge part of that original exploding in sound crop with Speedy, Pyle, Fat History Month, Avlov. Interviews with all those folks are available in our archives at betteryetpod.com. Grass is Green and Speedy both showcase Devin's capabilities as an inventive. Masterful guitar player, which continues on into Monica, along with showcasing Devin's abilities as a songwriter and beat maker. Monica is a pretty free form project, sonically combining his indie rock credentials with hip hop and rap influences, punk, hardcore. It's all fair game, and Devin's songs explore his experience as a person of color playing music in very white scenes was thrilled to have him on the show this week thank you for listening rate and subscribe on your podcast player of choice check us out on patreon patreon.com slash yet podcast we will be back next week for now here's me and devin mcknight
1: I know. So like, you know, I, I grew up this way, but I also just, even in adulthood, like the Simpsons, even episodes I've seen a million times, I'll just put it on yeah when I'm feeling like, you know, tired or when I'm feeling like I need a, you know, place to, so that was something I was watching actually. Um, just cause they have like all the, all the episodes, um, I just started the Mandalorian so Mandalorian is pretty cool yeah um, are
0: good things about the Mandalorian
1: yeah it's interesting it's an interesting take um for sure um it's like uh it's it's like a more like PG rated John Wick kind of oh because he's like a bounty hunter yeah and he's like um violating the bounty code so he's kind of like a rogue like bounty hunter so it kind of works almost in the same in the same way yeah yeah so it's 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 cool it's cool he doesn't
0: have a puppy though right
1: no puppy but he has a baby yoda so
0: (laughs) (laughs) which uh which simpsons season were you watching
1: i was watching six okay so yeah. six
0: is that? Does that open with Who Shot Mr. Burns? Like what's a good season uh,
1: six episode?
0: I feel like I know like b- seasons like five through eight just run together.
1: They do just because yeah those those were the best ones to me. But they also have like the um those were the, the reruns like when we were kids that came on a lot. Right, right. So like everyone just remembers all those episodes like. The Homer in debt one, with to, when he was in debt to Patty and Selma, because oh he was broke. I think that so one. Good. Um, Bart Bart doing ballet. I just watched that one. I'm pretty yeah, sure this was all the six ballet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of good ones. I'm pretty sure the Australia episode is is in that one.
0: Hell yeah! I love when he's doing ballet and then all the uh, like Nelson and. And Curly and Jimbo are just so emotional yeah. watching him do it. Like, he's so
1: graceful. But <laughs> so strong.
0: Well, I'm glad to have you on the pod. I I feel like when you came into Chicago, something came up and I was a little bit bummed, but this is this is great because I have always wanted to talk to the person who played the guitar solo on Milk by Avlon. <laughs>
1: surprise just, oh me. my
2: god oh <laughs> my god
0: that's uh that's one of the best guitar solos i think that has ever been recorded onto a thing
1: oh uh, i mean are you sure
0: <laughs> i am i and that's why i said a thing so i can have a i can have a way out Okay. If it, if somebody likes like, oh no, come on, don't get don't get over the top. It's like well all I said was a thing.
1: Well you like it. <laughs> That's all that matters. So I'm 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 uh, flattered and honored to be in that echelon of <laughs> of guitarists, I guess.
0: So um when you were watching The Simpsons growing up, what what time was it on? You're from D C, right? Mm-hmm. So you get, what do you get, a Fox affiliate in D.C.? Mm-hmm. Because we had, it was Simpsons at 6 and Seinfeld at 6.30 when I was in high school. Oh, uh, yeah. 32.
1: So we actually got um, two Simpsons episodes. So it was 6, 6.30 and then Seinfeld was at 7. Mm. Yeah. So, Hell yeah. Yeah, I remember, like, my mom... Um, Always, because, like, that was around, I guess that was around dinner time, so she was always, like, she had to watch Wheel of Fortune,
2: because uh-huh. she was,
1: like, a big, like, crosswords, like, yeah. just word, you know, person, word game person, mm-hmm. so we couldn't always watch Seinfeld, but, you know, we got yeah. The Simpsons in before dinner. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, what'd your folks do?
1: Uh, They're both lawyers.
0: How was that um, How was that Are they like they cross-examine you whenever you Well your brother would get into shit?
1: Well, I mean, you know you can't really like there's not many many arguments you're going to win, but I guess yeah. I was lucky that they um they 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 seem to like their jobs, but they they always left it it's, it's, it seemed like they left that energy at work You know that's I mean? good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're like the stereotypical lawyer is always bringing it home.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that they the maybe home was a, a welcome, uh, you know, kind of like break or you know what I mean from
2: yeah
1: the because it's like you know it's a very like competitive cutthroat kind of thing and I think that that can be draining so. Um, I know my dad in particular kind of thrives off of that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. but I don't think he likes showing that side of himself at home. For sure. So I guess maybe that's, that's a good thing, but I don't really know.
2: Yeah.
0: Was there music in the house growing up?
1: Um, so my, my dad played, plays guitar. Um, my mom recently has picked up, uh, the cello and the bass and I've been giving her bass lessons actually. So yeah. that's pretty cool. But yeah, my dad, you know, he um he grew up playing guitar but he he uh obviously never pursued it as like a you know anything more than just a hobby when he was younger. And uh I guess he picked it up again sometime when I was in like middle school. Mm hmm and he his his thing like he loves to collect instruments and just kind of so there's always guitars in the house and yeah. so i guess in high school i was kind of like curious you know so i would i would mess around on them and stuff and like um and i i do remember like i really wanted to play drums but my parents were just kind of like well you have these guitars and you can put headphones on it's nice and quiet <laughs>
0: Yeah. So, for us. Yeah. So what kind of what kind of uh, stuff was he listening to? What kind of he, stuff was he playing?
1: Well, he's he's really into um, jazz and jazz fusion kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, like McLaughlin, John McLaughlin,
2: right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a prime example, um, and. Um, he um, actually, like, he, he was a DJ in college, like a... Oh, work Yeah, so he, di- he did, he, like, went to all these sh- shows and, like, met all these musicians and did interviews with, you know, people. And, like, he, yeah, so, like, he had a crazy record collection that my mom made him sell at some point, um, which is... I mean, Really funny to me because, like, you know, record like vinyl kind of made a, a, like a slight comeback in the last decade. And yeah. It's just like, but I used to have all those records. Like, ooh. But Do
0: you know how much a blue note record goes for? <laughs> it doesn't even have to be
1: good. <laughs> yeah. He, um, yeah, but he, he had other stuff. Like, he's really into Prince, um, yeah. You know, um, Jimi Hendrix, um, yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't really know. It's it's tough to think about now, but yeah, jazz definitely is his main his main thing. He likes that a lot.
0: And then you uh, you went to Berkeley for jazz guitar, right? Mm-hmm. So was that kind of like your I guess playing jazz guitar by default because. That's like your what your dad was doing, or were you interested in that too?
1: I was interested in it. Um, you know, I mean, I still I still enjoy listening to jazz and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I got more into it in college. You know, kind of like I, you know, late high school I had my like emo and hardcore phase, and then I, I I stopped you know, I guess maybe I I started to outgrow it. And then like, I, I had some teachers that were like very heavy jazz guys. So uh-huh. they kind of showed me like all this stuff and like, you know, so that was pretty cool. Um, I would say when I got to Berkeley, um, you know, it, it's really hard to like have an identity when you're there. Um, right. And I, I guess, you know, you walk in, you have a guitar, you know, at your side and you meet, you know, the the random person in line for the audition and or, uh-huh. or the placement exam or whatever. And they're like, oh, what are you doing? And it's like the exact same things we, you know, you're doing. And it's like you have no way to really stand out. And, and like jazz is like the backdrop of like what, the curriculum is there too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it definitely gave me a leg up as far as, like, the curriculum. But just how people act there, it's, like, how you would imagine, like, people in, like, med school or law school, like, trying to, like, outdo each other. It's, like, very competitive in a way that's unhealthy. Right. Um, And I I knew some kids who were definitely, like, pushed into traditional types of music like classical and jazz and then they started to just hate it so it's just kind of like not the best vibes all the time with like music like that because you just kind of like the reasons why you might have originally gotten into it like you stop seeing those you know as much yeah for sure kind of takes the fun out of it you know
0: yeah and i i feel like you go to a place where like when you're in high school Like, playing guitar is something that is... It just becomes part of your identity, naturally. And then you go to a place where everybody does that. It's like, well, fuck.
1: Yeah, well, then you start to really, like, get in touch with the things that make you special. And the types of music that, like, make you stand out a little bit more. So, you know, I mean, I met all the people in Grasses Green and for sure we started playing you know i mean we we practiced like every day for a while you know like we were constantly playing together and um you know i mean some of the, those guys are like the, the best musicians i've ever worked with i mean you know they, they might have worked yeah. with different teachers on like crazy stuff too but like where we met up was on this kind of like weirdo like math rock sort of thing and that sort of gave me like Mm -hmm. some of what i was getting from the heady jazz stuff right Um, but but also that world
0: like has such a cross section with emo and shit too
1: yeah so i could sort of feel like maybe i could be a little bit more of myself in that Mm -hmm. in that way so yeah you know um i managed to, to figure out a way to make it work for myself um so I'm definitely thankful for that experience, even though like I, you know, it might seem like I like gave up the stuff. It 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 still informs who I am, and it's you know it's still there. It's just not like what I'm doing all the time. Like I don't want to yeah. play. It's not 1955. Like I don't want to be in Miles Davis's band. You know, like right. Yeah,
0: it just. Yells at you and tells you to play guitar for 20 minutes while he goes outside. <laughs> right. Gets in his Lamborghini. Yeah. You ever look at pictures of Miles Davis fucking with his with his coats and his Ferraris? That shit is so funny.
1: No, no I've never seen that. He,
0: he has an amazing fashion
1: sense. I'm sure. Should, yeah.
0: His autobiography, like, the best parts are just like, and I was wearing snakeskin boots, and I was driving a Ferrari, and <laughs> <laughs> I had a mink vest, a mink coat. Um, But, like, when you went to Berkeley, I guess, like, was there, was that kind of the, the plan? Was I'm going to, like, study jazz guitar, I'm going to play jazz guitar professionally, or did you just kind of want to go somewhere where music
1: was happening yeah it was more of the latter like where music was happening because they offer like other programs like in writing and production and um like recording different kinds of stuff where you can like actually get kind of a like you know a job or whatever um and um i mean you know i I didn't even graduate so oh for real yeah i left after two years so um, I stayed in Boston after that for a little bit, but, um, yeah, I stopped, I stopped going there, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, the goal was to just like be in a position where I could study music as a, as a whole, you know, like mm-hmm. the whole thing. So I, I, I don't know whether or not I was like, I'm just going to be like the jazz person playing. It, it, I, I don't know. I don't know if that was ever really yeah. the goal.
0: So with Grass is Green, was it, like... I mean, y'all were so tight. But was there improvisation? Was there sort of a, like, you know, you all could kind of follow each other?
1: Yeah, we would do that for, like, uh, you know, hours at practice. Yeah. Just for fun, you know. Um, But, um, yeah, I mean i don't know i mean we tried to like stay stay pretty glued together but i think there was also like sort of a looseness to it also um there are some like more noisy elements and i think that like i was like me and um the bassist mike were given a lot of kind of leeway to like do like weird sounds like whenever kind of you know what i mean um and, uh, yeah, you know, you just pick and choose your moments and things like that. But, you know, it's not, it's obviously not as improvisational as, you know, as jazz music. But, um, sure. we used to do this thing actually where when, they, cause Andy used to break strings like every other show. Uh-huh. So, um, we would do this thing where it, we called it Kentucky Waterfall. I don't know why. I really don't know why. And me, Jesse and Mike would just, would just make stuff up yeah and it was actually like really fun but yeah you just kind of like do kentucky waterfall until he, he we're like you know on tour in new orleans like just, just mm-hmm. you know no one's at the show and kentucky waterfall it's <laughs> like it's like buying time for andy like <laughs> it sounds was like
0: a good way to clear out the few people that are there well
1: you, you know you just gotta um there's a lot of moments on tour that are so humbling that you know, you're there and you just gotta like make do with the scenario.
2: Right, know? right. <laughs>
1: so.
0: So I mean, aside from grass is green too, you've got this whole exploding in sound community forming too. I didn't even I didn't realize that Ronson was technically the first exploding in sound release oh yeah How'd that come about
1: um dan was a you know he was a fan from the beginning and
0: um
1: i guess i knew the answer to that we we were <laughs> like he's was always used to say that we were his favorite band and yeah. um he came to all the shows and you know he would always get us the shows in brooklyn and stuff but then we uh, we were about to go on tour for Ronson, and we, you know, we had recorded it and everything. We had some t-shirts and stuff, but, like, the the company that w- at the time that was, like, helping us wasn't interested in any kind of physical release. Uh-huh. So Dan was like, well, you know, I can press some CDs for you. <laughs> there we, it is. And we were like, you know, it was like 2012, so that sounded like, okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, he, he had always, I guess he was, he was like toying with the idea for a while and then he kind of saw like, oh wait, there's like more bands that fall under this umbrella of kind of misfit bands with big dreams and stuff like, um, Pyle and Speedy Ortiz was the third or fourth release. I think sports, sports was on that. Um, and then, um. Fat History Month, I think, was back when they were Fat History Month. Right. Um, I'm pretty sure that they were released then, too. Um, So, yeah, I mean, you know, talking about this seems so long ago. It's crazy. But.
0: Yeah, it really does. Just the. We pressed it onto CD. Mm hmm. (laughs) I, I always get so much joy, though, out of, like, looking at that time and, like, any chance I get to reread that consequence of sound oral history and like Grass is Green is you're you're like the band that everybody in that community seemed to hold in like the highest regard and it's it's like you were a band's band in a community of bands' bands.
1: Uh, well, I mean. You know, I mean, we we were the only ones to like not make it, so so I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I t- I'll take your word for it for sure. Um,
0: well, I mean, yeah, you y'all had hooks though. It's the wild thing. I mean, I, I listened to Vacation two point a couple of times before getting ready, and I'm like, God, I forgot how much fucking like earworms
1: there are in here yeah yeah i mean you know it was fun um i think we you know we pushed it so hard though and um all of us kind of always had this like i don't know like i know mike like mike recorded has recorded all the monica stuff yeah um so he, he lives here in brooklyn and you know um everyone's you know we're all still friends and stuff but like you know a big part of the reason why he was kind of in and out of the band was he was getting other recording opportunities and place you know he had to like move and things you know so it was like that and then you know i think it was after a while like touring and just having this kind of like like the diy touring um it can be like the best thing in the world and it can also be like the worst thing in the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so we were having some great experiences, but then also like, you know, monetarily it was getting like very hard on everybody. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, when I joined Speedy Ortiz, for instance, like the band was just kind of ground to a halt already. And then, yeah. you know, I, I was, I had just moved to New York and I was like, didn't have a job,
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: you know? So that just kind of like fell out of the sky and I was like, well, I guess here's the job, yeah. I, a job opportunity where I can see the world.
0: <laughs> right. Totally. <laughs> so and I, I mean, did that. And Sadie's just talked about how, like, I love that, we, you know, that release that, y'all did when you left and she just talked about how she was always trying to rip you off as a guitarist
1: yeah i mean i don't know whether she was just trying to you know butter me up or something (laughs) um but i was happy that she decided to tell the new york times that (laughs) Um uh, Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, but we had always been close friends.
2: Mhm.
1: And um Yeah, so, you know, it was kinda like I I joined a different band, but it was still sort of the same family, you know. So
0: Yeah, totally.
1: And then Jesse joined Palehound. He was playing drums in Palehound oh, for know that. for I a while. Yeah, I don't know if he's still doing it, but um but yeah, you know, and he's in Pet Fox now too. But he, That's a good band. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he um he he's he's kept pretty busy. I know Mike was fl- Mike was playing in uh, Empress of for a while. Uh-huh. And then Andy was in two in Shastraunt for for a minute. So, you know, we didn't really go very far. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We just populated all of our friends' bands.
0: <laughs> and you played on Foil Deer, right? I did. You, you're playing gel so well with Sadie's on that record. Well, thank you. It's fantastic. And you played some big tours with mm-hmm. that band, right?
2: Yeah.
1: Big tours.
0: How was it? Did you enjoy it?
1: I did. I did. I did, uh, you know, it, it was a lot of fun. It was a trip for sure. Um, I feel like, you know, um, it it was it was just sort of like one of those things where you just kind of like, wow, like I'm hanging out with Jeff Tweedy for, you know,
0: that's cool. It's hilarious. <laughs> I like to do that.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, or, like, you ju- just sort of opportunities that, like, never seemed even remotely possible. Or, like, yeah. door- doors that were, like, always closed were suddenly open. And, like, you know, I mean, I don't know. It's definitely made being, like, starting my own thing easier. For sure, Maybe. in that way. Um, yeah. Which is awesome. Like, I, you know, I'm forever thankful for those experiences and stuff and also just seeing how the industry works in certain ways like you know talking to the press um (laughs) going on these tours having booking agents having managers um Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like dealing with like actual money um I've heard of that yeah just touring like you know, as a support act touring as a headliner touring, you know, just like all these things, playing bigger venues where you have to do the sound check.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: like we used to always be like, dude, we don't need a sound check. Like in Grass is Green, we'd always be like, just let's just we'll, we're fine. Like yeah, and, and we were, but the sound engineers hate that. <laughs> yeah, we we're, totally we were right. so loud, you know. <laughs> but. Um yeah so um you know all those experiences really kind of like helped me sort of see like okay now that I'm like not in that band um you know like what if I was doing my own thing like how would I do this like what's the first step like mm-hmm. what should I try to do and you know it's still hard just cuz like I don't I don't know you know I don't know what other people want I know what I want, but, like, I have such a hard time with that because I see, like, what becomes popular or, like, what is able to be popular. And I I sort of just, like, listen to my music and I'm just kind of, like... I mean, I know I like it, but I don't know, like...
0: Yeah.
1: You know, like, I'm never going to be so many things. And, you know, you kind of just have to be... When you're kind of out there by yourself, too, you kind of have to be, like really okay with who you are you know yeah so um yeah so it's been it's been hard but easier than it would have been
0: yeah for sure there's like i don't know it's it's interesting i guess in like the particular case of of speedy because sadie's obviously got like such tremendous talent and also just like some sort of like it factor you know it's like the the fact that that band is as big as they are even though the music is like challenging at times it do, it's it makes sense but mm-hmm. when it doesn't
1: yeah I mean yeah I don't fuck know either. She has a neck for sure, in a way that like you know I mean, like when we were doing all the interviews or we were talking to people, like I usually didn't have to say anything. I would just kind of sit there,
2: uh-huh,
1: you know what I mean, and she just kind of had this like innate sense for you know what yeah. to say, what not to say, like stuff like that I mean. You know, or, like, if I was saying something dumb or something. I don't know. <laughs> like She knows how to work, like, social media, too, in a way that I didn't get mm-hmm. until I was in the band. And I was like, oh, people do this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so how long were you think of, thinking about doing Monica?
1: How long was I thinking about doing it? Yeah, I guess, like, when... I mean, I had some demos, but I also just, like, when I was, like, having some trouble with just, like, you know, because the touring just got to be so much, like,
2: Mm.
1: and uh, I didn't have any time to do a lot of the stuff that I really like to do. Um, And I always had kind of, you know, uh, this kind of inclination to want to, like, record and learn how to do a lot of things like that but i i never really like you know had time to like go down that route you know mm-hmm. um so i think after a while i was kind of just like looking for that balance with being in that band and like doing my own thing but i didn't I, you know i wasn't really able to strike that balance so i was kind of like well maybe i shouldn't do the band anymore and maybe i'll just f- find a job that makes me happy um, mm-hmm. You know, we're still working on that <laughs> But uh, But Yeah, so um, I think I just started with a few demos And then I was like These could all work And then I was like Well, who's gonna sing? And I was like I, I don't remember who said Well, maybe you should But then I was like Oh, well, I guess maybe I'll try it So I tried it But I, I You know, the goal wasn't like Devin's gonna do this thing Cause like I had never sang in a band before yeah this so yeah i just sort of was like okay let me just uh let me just do this so um i had to kind of just like figure it out and it wasn't until like kind of all like like a bunch of the demos for the first ep were like done done ish that Mm -hmm. i was like oh this could like be something that we like played out and like did you know so um
0: so I guess vocally, you your voice is so unique, and like the presentation of it too is like it, it. I don't know how to describe it other than I don't know anybody else who sings that way or has it. Uh, you know, set the way that yours is in the mix is that just a process of figuring out what can I do with this baritone?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, I, um, I, I also for a long time and still to some degree, um, I've always sort of been into uh, rap and, you know, trap mm-hmm. trap music also became such like a big, Thing in the last decade too, so um, I think I think a lot of what I was trying to go for, whether successfully or not su- successfully, was kind of like um, you know you hear a lot of m- m- male vocals in that register in mm-hmm. in um, in rap music. So you'll hear like like Travis Scott has like a pretty close. to to my vocal range um i think you know um drake is probably at a higher part of my vocal range um Mm -hmm. and um kid cuddy is has a deeper voice um so yeah i was kind of like some of those guys actually sing so for a while i was like i think like, Travis Scott's vocals were actually, like, a big, like, let me see if I can do something closer to that. Because that isn't going to, sh- like, you know what I mean? Like, I can imitate mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. and I can put weird effects on it. And it's it's kind of, like, spacey sounding. So it's, like, it, you know, it works. It works, and I don't have to, like, be, like, necessarily the best singer or something, but it can still sound cool, I
2: yeah. guess.
1: I think that that was a thing, because, like, you know, it's a new instrument. So, like, for me to expect myself to, like, instantly be, like, awesome at it would probably be, like, you know, maybe, like, not fair to myself, so.
0: Yeah, totally. A a great way to uh, fulfill whatever prophecies you have about not being able to cut it.
1: Yeah, you got to set yourself up to, like, succeed out here you know you can't just like be like i want to be like luther vandross (laughs) (laughs) i'm not gonna sound like that i don't know like or like you know like uh phoebe bridgers is a big name now you know um i'm never gonna sound like her (laughs) 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 you know very true i'm never you know i'm never gonna sound like um um adrian Lanker from big thief you know, yeah, i'm not you know it's just it's it's going to be different for me um so um yeah that's that's a big it's a big part of monica is just understanding that things will always be kind of a little bit different for me and that within this con- context of rock music you know yeah yeah you just got to kind of like make it happen make it work you know
0: So, where does the uh, Derwin Magic Jansen EP fit in?
1: (laughs) Uh, I didn't know anyone knew about that. (laughs) Um, uh, That is... um, That was like... I was in late Speedy Ortiz times. Mm Mm-hmm. And... um, yeah, I mean, I I think I, I just sort of was getting into, like, making beats and stuff like that on our off time from tour. Mm-hmm. And I, I rapped in, like, high school and stuff, in bands. Like, this was kind of mm-hmm. before I got serious about guitar. And, uh, it, you know, um, I don't think I was, like, serious enough about it to, like, consider myself, like, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to, like, you know, put it on the internet and sell it. But then, you know, I remember like um, some friends in Boston, you know, had some like goofy beats and they were like, um, do you like, you know, I think I remember just being like, you know, I could try it, try rapping a little bit. And I did a pretty good job with it, I guess. And um, yeah, they were like, um, I guess, you know, I guess the more encouragement I got from some of my friends to just be like. Yeah, you should do something with this or like do something. So then I eventually, yeah, I just like started making some beats. Um some friends of mine were like in the kind of like um, the um this kind of m- more electronic scene where they like use Ableton and they use like um MPC stuff like drum Yeah. drum machines and things like that. Yeah, I
0: saw that you were using Ableton and
1: I still yeah I, I still use it.
0: I guess I don't know much about it. I I just only re- like hear it referred to as being like kind of obtuse and just not as like user friendly as like a, you know Logic or Pro Tools.
1: Um, I guess that's probably dependent on who you talk to.
0: Yeah, no, for sure, obviously,
1: but it's um. So, there are functions on it that change, stretch the time of things, Mm -hmm. because when DJs are trying to, like, sync up beats and things like that, Mm -hmm. it makes it, like, easier to do that. So, it comes from this sort of, like, you know, a lot of those drum machines and things like that, and turntables and things like that. Like, that world is, like, you know, the clock has to, like, match... On like right. certain things to make the the um, the mashups work or the, make the beats work and stuff like that. So some people might f- find that stuff frustrating, but you really just turn it off and then it works the same as like <laughs> it, it works. Yeah. The, it works the same as any other uh, DAW. So I don't know. Like I found it frustrating for maybe like twenty minutes and then I figured it out. But yeah, I had I had some <laughs> friends that are like like geniuses with stuff like that Mm -hmm. and they showed me how to do some of it like i'm still nowhere near as good as they are like making beats and stuff but i was able to do that that little ep and stuff so i made i made all those beats and um did some raps and you know i i I never really like i don't know i guess maybe to me the reason why i kind of left it on the shelf was um You know, I, I don't know, like maybe I, I, being a, being a, like a rapper, it just comes with a lot of, it's hard, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: (laughs) you know, it's very hard, it's very difficult, um, and you know what I mean, it just kind of comes with a, like, I, I, I never wanted to have to like ditch all the work that I did on, Guitar or in rock or in anything else, right? In favor of just doing something that I hadn't really put in the time, you know, there's some rappers out there who are like really, really awesome, yeah, you know, who like have been grinding for like years doing this stuff, and like I couldn't hold a candle to like any of those people, so it's like I don't know, maybe it's just sort of like a like a like if I was gonna do something, I want to feel like I'm like an expert, maybe. Yeah. I
0: mean, totally. You're, you're, you're entering into something that's new. You're probably best to bring like the tools that you're like an expert with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's also just like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like guys like, for instance, like Namdi is always amazed to me because his, I feel like his musical expression is so fluid.
0: It's yeah. It just, it's unbelievable. Where
1: the, where yeah. the rap stops and the and the folk r- rock or whatever else. Yeah. That meets it is it's unclear. Like he just does I don't know I don't know how he's perfected that that kind of uh interaction in his music and it's just it's just brilliant. Um and uh maybe I haven't gotten the, there like, yet. Fluid, yeah. But you know like I I think you know there's some moments for instance on Like, um, that song Mixer on the last album has has some sort of rap moments. Some more rap moments. Yeah, dude,
0: and that song fucking lays everything out. And, you know, looking at Derwin Magic Jansen, you know, the title, um, The Miscegenation of... Derwin Magic Jansen and like the song Parents, like it's clear that what you're what you wanna talk about is there. You're right. And that for definitely sure. transfers over.
1: Yeah. Um I think the um the rap album though, like for me, um, because the rapping was so jokey. Yeah. I don't think it was clear what I meant by that t- by that title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I was always kind of hoping that maybe Monica could like touch on the the more serious elements of growing up in this world um, as you know, like a black person, but also like a mixed race black person but then also mm-hmm. navigating through, like, you know, like, genres of music that maybe, like, you know, I'm not, like, no one's out here, like, calling me the N-word or anything, but, like, it's also just sort of, like, do they see you as being, like, as good as you are, or do they, like, you know, are mm-hmm. they going to hoist you to the to the front? Are they, are they going to listen to you when you say things are going on? Are they going to, you know, and, like, over the years, like, I've never really known how to like put that onto paper or to like express it. So, you know, I'm kind of glad that Monica gave me that that outlet to kind of be like, you know, the point of it is to pretty much just just do that. Like, not all the songs are like, yeah, you know, like pure pur- purely uh, political or anything. But it's just like I think the point maybe is a little bit more expressed. So.
0: Do you mind uh, telling me the story of the name? Because it flew over my head completely until I read an interview about it. Oh,
1: um, so, you know, I don't really discuss it much, um, but it's just supposed to be, like, a little bit of, like, wordplay. Um, A friend sent me, like, a little... um, it was kind of like a a joke where like the this this white person was trying to put into Google like why do black people love the 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 name Monica so much uh-huh or something like that, and you know we just thought it was hilarious because I guess the thing was like the this person in question, and you know it's probably like wasn't real or anything, but it was still funny, but it it was like, (laughs) this person was playing basketball with a bunch of black guys, and they kept on calling each other Monica, and like, (laughs) and I didn't, I didn't get it, blah, 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 and then I, I just thought that that was really funny, so, like, I kind of just wanted to kind of, like, make a name that, like, maybe, like, shed some light on, I don't know, like, blackness in a way that's, like, coded or like you know
2: yeah.
1: using like a word that's like maybe you know I mean obviously like you're, you're walking a fine line when you know kind of the n-word is being brought into you know the fold Um but it's a way where it's kind of like I don't know there's layers there I don't know it's kind of like yeah, absolutely. you know it's like Um, it's, there's, there's always something beneath the surface, I guess, when you're dealing with the, you know, blackness in this country and in this world. So I think that like, maybe the name is sort of supposed to like, uh, sort of be like a tongue in cheek sort of, uh, Mm -hmm. way of showing that. Um, but you know, um, for all intents and purposes, it's just a girl's name. And uh, that's, that's what I'm supposed to say.
0: Why is that what you're supposed to say? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I think that, like, it, what I thought about it, you know, was, like...
1: I think it's as, just that you, you don't want... Sorry to interrupt you, but I think no, it's just no, as, ahead. like... I'm sure other black people were kind of like, I don't want a bunch of, like, white people running around, like, essentially saying the N-word. Yeah, yeah. And so, I guess, for me, I'm just sort of like, well, it's it's just the girl's name. It's like Monica uh-huh. Gandhi.
2: <laughs> so it's, like,
1: kind of a way to kind of, like, cover my ass, maybe. I don't know. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. if it... I, I haven't run into any problems so that's good i you know dan dan was really worried about it oh really yeah he was he was like i'm worried about people being really careless about this name yeah and i honestly i'm not I'm i'm grateful that he was trying to be careful in that moment but yeah. um yeah we haven't run into any problems and i don't think a lot of people even know how to say the name right and I think a lot of people like, yeah, it would just yeah. flown over their head, and it would have just been like, you know, I mean, how, how many other bands are named after like a girl's name and like emo or something like? Right.
0: <laughs> so. My friend's emo band in high school was called Whitney, and they had a song <laughs> called Monica. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: wow. Full um, circle, full circle.
0: Oh, dude, absolutely. <laughs> I knew that there was something that was bringing us here. Uh, they didn't spell it the way that you do. Yeah.
1: My and friend, that was before memes. <laughs> my friend had a um, um, a cousin, has a cousin. She's still alive. Um,
0: yeah.
1: But um, yeah, he's, he's Indian, and uh-huh. so that's just the Indian spelling of Monica.
0: Yeah, totally. So. Speaking of Dan, because you, you, you did a really good interview with Shazad Jawani of Greys for Talk House, where you two just you know talked about the record and the subject matter, and uh, there was something that you mentioned about Dan just kind of telling you that if you want if you want people to know what this is what is going on here you kind of have to spell it out Mm. do you did you have to like you know make sort of a declaration like this is what this project is going to be about i can't like only have you know a couple songs that are about this thing
1: um well yeah um Yeah, but at the same time, I think it's just also, like, I I hadn't really thought about that before. Yeah. You know, um, I always looked at playing music or, you know, like, whatever as just sort of, like, more of an interaction just with myself and my instrument or, like, you know it's like a little bit more personal so it's like obviously i know what i'm talking about
2: mm-hmm.
1: kind of thing or like i you know so like um the first record is um you know i mean there's a song about the oc on it you know it's like i like that song yeah. but like i don't play it anymore <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um you know because it's kind of like a joke a little bit um and then like there's also a song about, like, I think what, when me and Dan were discussing that, it was, uh, we were talking about the song Power, because um, that mm-hmm. is is sort of just about, like, not, um, it's it's about, like, coming to grips with, like, you know, mental health struggles and, like, needing to, like, actually needing your medication and, like, dealing with that. being responsible for that and then like so you know um and that as like a black person is like a whole thing and I didn't really spell it out that that's what like I was necessarily talking about um Mm -hmm. because like in the black community it's just like there's a big stigma with you know a lot of minority communities actually speak Mm -hmm. um stigma with um psychiatry and things like that so um I think I, I was like complaining about it on Twitter that nobody had thought to ask me about that or something and I remember Dan was just kind of like well I mean they're not gonna know unless you like say that you know and yeah. now it's just kind of like oh because I you know I never filled out like a questionnaire about stuff for PR or anything like that was always like someone else's job in the band, mm-hmm. so like I never really had to like deal with that so um yeah, it, it was it was more just me being like, okay, well, all right, so second try here. Um, let's see what we can do with this, you know? So, um, yeah, I think when I was... Even everything from the album art, it's just like an old picture of me at my grandma's house. Yeah. Um, with, like, you know, an old family photo, um, sort of in the bottom right corner and things like that it's just like calling it my own name which is my you know identity right there um Mm -hmm. and then um yeah you know like the skits um things like that um some of the stories behind the lyrics um and uh yeah i think i think that like um I sort of went at it with like more of a plan so like i i didn't (laughs) realize i didn't realize that that, that's what was going to be a part of my life as a musician necessarily was like crafting this kind of like story for people but even more importantly when my audience is like you know mostly white people yeah like that's like another level for me to work through. It's another barrier for me, like of communication. So I, um, you know, like I can't tell you how many times though, like people on the internet, like, um, black people reach out, things like that. They don't need me to explain anything.
2: Yeah. (laughs) They get, they get
1: everything right away. You know what I mean? Right, um but so that's sort of the interactions that I cared about the most, and that's just what I, I was thinking about at first, and then I was like, oh, wait, like, if I really want people at large to like listen to this, I'm going to have to like be able to, you know, just go at it from another you know, another angle, maybe to kind of like spell it out a little better for for people. Mm-hmm. So, um so yeah, you know, I I, I hope I, I hope I did a better job. Um and
2: You definitely uh, did.
1: I I hope I'll do an even better job next time. So
0: <laughs> I mean it, was it scary you're you're putting yourself out there in a really vulnerable way and it's you know And nobody likes to be, you know, let me rephrase that. People tend to become defensive pretty quickly. And I think like in a place like, you know, punk or indie rock is a crowd of, you know, folks that would like to think that they're doing better than they are. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> to put it mildly? To put it mildly, yeah.
1: Um, well, you know, vulnerability has always been a, a part of the, the game in music. Um, yeah. So, you know, you kind of got to get over that. Um, as, as far as just, like, a project that makes you maybe a little bit more vulnerable... I don't know I mean to an extent I think um you know you sort of take a little bit of pride in it because you're involving like you know a little bit of your family for me like my my family stories and things like that and just also like you know even literally the voices of my parents um Mm -hmm. you know and it kind of makes you like proud of where how far you've come Mm -hmm. and who you are and things like that. So in a way it's like kind of cathartic to be like vulnerable. Um, if it's honest and Mm -hmm. true to yourself, I don't, you know, what's there to be embarrassed of, you know? Right. So, um, might as well.
0: You talk about like wrestling with your blackness and feeling like, Or just having experiences of being, you know, not black enough, was exploring it in this way helpful for you to, like, you know, assert your own identity?
1: I think so. Um, I think it was helpful in that, like, you, like I was saying before, like, you start to have other people, like, reach out to you. And then you realize, like, oh, I'm not alone, like other people are kind of like hiding in the back of, you know, the Coheed and Cambria show in 2002 or something like, or like, um, you know what I mean? Like, um, because I think people like to think that black people are just sort of, we're off in our own little world and we do this and y'all do that. And that's right. it. We don't even know who Blink-182 is or something, you know. But that's just not true. Like, we have TV. we we, You know? (laughs) (laughs) It's just, like, the world's not that, like, cut and dry. So it's, like, we grow up with all the same cultural things that a lot of people do in this country mixed with our own. So we're going to get our experiences, you know, like, there's no one true black experience you know like
2: Mm
1: -hmm. we're all part of the experience you know and I think that like sort of having that thought for myself was, was very liberating to just sort of be like you know I shouldn't actually have to question that at all because like you can't really like the stuff that's from my past that's like you know I guess more stereotypically black or like comes from being black or something you can't get rid of that Mm -hmm. i don't know why you would want to but it's there forever it's just there so i don't know i don't know what to do so it's just it's just kind of like um for, for me it was definitely like very reaffirming to hear others to see you know people in the media who were trying to write about stuff like that people from other places in this country who are in, like, smaller punk scenes. You know, because I'm from the D.C. area, and, like, punk rock there is, like... It's also... It's, like, a really diverse area. Yeah. So there's, like, all kinds of people doing all kinds of things. It's all mixed up. Yeah. So we're definitely, like, spoiled in that way. So you almost expect it from that area.
2: Um mm-hmm.
1: But... You know, when you go to the middle of the country or just some more r- rural places where people are very alienated, you know what I mean? Like, um, For instance, like um, Barty's Strange,
2: mm-hmm.
1: he, you know, me and him became friends. And he was telling me about like doing some of his growing up in Oklahoma. Yeah. And it gets pretty bleak out there, you know. It's. For sure. It's not safe. It literally is not safe. <laughs> Yeah. And he's he's navigating through these like hardcore scenes and like you mm-hmm. know, just trying to be himself and like I was like thinking about it and I was like man I had it pretty good then, you know. Um Yeah. But yeah, even just, you know, meeting meeting him. Um, meeting well, I, I guess I kinda already knew Elise from Oceanator. Um
0: <laughs> it's a funny story when I interviewed Elise uh, a couple of months ago she She's like, hold on Sorry, I got this group chat with Devin and Bartice And it's just blowing up right
1: now uh, <laughs> Yeah, we got the group chat
0: Yo, hell yeah That's
1: <laughs> cool um, But Good yeah Just um, You know, sort of having like a little bit more Of like a stronghold Of people that maybe understand Where you're coming from And then, you know, like You meet other people, like South Asians um, um, you know people like Hispanic populations it's just all kinds of people that are into different kinds of stuff you know what I mean Mm -hmm. it makes you feel a little bit more like secure in your own skin doing certain things or like um, yeah and like I think, you know, probably, I don't know if my bio was a part of your research or whatever, but my whole thing was always that, like, um, I, um, people would hear that I liked, like, punk or something, or, like, that I liked rock or something, then that would mean that I, like, didn't like anything else. Right. (laughs) It's like, I can't, like, I can't, like, rap all of a sudden. Like, rap yeah. was the first type of music that I was, like, really in love with. Uh-huh. And I don't, like, that just, be like, nobody cares, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> like, for real, like, when I was in um, sixth, sixth grade, it wasn't cool to listen to rock music for anybody, really. Mm-hmm. Even though rock music was still a thing. But, like, you know, Biggie and Tupac had just died, and, like, rap music was sure. just taking over, DMX was blowing up. Like um, Busta Rhymes Was blowing up In a big way Missy Elliott Like it was just like A big time for rap That people hadn't seen before And like That was like That really I was like Glued to the TV Watching MTV every day Like Love rap Especially
0: those Missy Elliott And Busta Rhymes
1: videos Yeah Some of my faves The first time I heard Ready to Die The Biggie album I I listen to that album Every day It's. (laughs) it's so <laughs> and then you know I eventually like welcomed punk back into my life or just rock music, but like you know that stuff was like very like informative into how I started to listen to music, you know,
0: yeah, I mean, I hear a song like my queen, and it's like cool, here's both sides of that <laughs>
1: put Nash. together there you go. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I never thought about that. It's got a little bit of, kind of, the vocals are a little bit, rappy, sort of, right? I don't know.
0: Well, I I, I was more referring to the the story of uh, oh, geez, now they're forgetting my the the, the Egyptians. Oh. Um, uh, plus yeah. that song's just like a fucking, pop punk burner.
1: Nice, <laughs> thanks. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's about like T D and. Uh, King Tut or whatever, but I, I write a lot of music while I'm watching like crappy TV. So I was uh, watching Ancient Aliens and I was like, they're talking about this and how like um, they were actually aliens and they were like lovers too and like I don't know, it, it was like a crazy story. I'm like, how shit. Did, I was just kind of like, how did you get all of that from like these like hieroglyphics or like from I
0: don't know. 6,000 years to come up with good shit. There you go. (laughs) Um, That's... I... I think Devin is such a fucking good record. And it combines so much stuff. You know, just like... Hearing the chords on... On positive. song like Mixer, where it's just like... Here's all the shit that I'm going through. And, like, looking at all the people who helped you out with it, Michael mixing it and Jordan from Stove playing drums on some tracks and singing and Sadie singing.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Fucking good record, man.
2: No, thanks.
1: Thanks a lot. Means a lot. You working
0: on new stuff?
1: Yeah, you know, I have some stuff in the, you know... Stuff in the Cellar. Um, you know, I am trying to uh, get out of this kind of, like, pan- pandemic fog and yeah. finish some things and, you know, but um, in due time, I suppose, um, and because we can't tour or do anything, really, it's, like, it's hard to get excited about putting a record out. If you totally. can't,
2: like, do anything. Yeah.
1: So, um, you know, there's there's some stuff. For sure.
0: Hell, yeah. it was great talking to you. Thanks for coming on.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: All right, bubs. Check out Monica online. Monica.Bandcamp.com. BetterYetPod.com. BetterYetPodcast.Bandcamp.com. Pleasure to show on Patreon. Patreon.com. Slash Podcast. We'll see you next week. Thank you, friends.